0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstock 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Now, here's your host, Casey Hendrickson.
1: Wise Money deserves wise legal counsel, powered by Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, on the web at lck-law.com. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3 Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. This is Wise Money with Corrin Financial Group. As always, Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory are joining us. We also got a special guest, our old friend Ryan Fair, the CPA. One of the CPAs, I should say, from Corin Financial Group is joining us. So, uh, Ryan, appreciate you gracing us with your presence again.
2: Thank you, Casey. Glad to be here again. All right. So we
1: have, uh, we've got a lot to cover today. And we're going to get to listener questions in the second half of the program. Want to remind everybody that if you have a listener question, you can call and leave it on the voicemail at 574-222-2000, or you can actually go to wisemoneyradio.com and submit your question right there on the website. Now, we're going to get into taxes, mostly today. But because the beginning of the year has been very turbulent in the markets, we wanted to take just a moment, talk about the stock market, Everything that's been happening with the stock market, there's a lot of investors that are pretty nervous about everything that's been going on, and you know, we touched on it a little bit, but things continue to be pretty tumultuous to say the least. And so I just wanted to, you know, have you guys kind of comment on the markets, what people should be doing with the way that things are right now. Yeah, turbulence probably an understatement. This it's, it's a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah,
3: 2016 <laughs> uh, hasn't hasn't started off that great. I think most people are nervous. The financial markets and what the what Wall Street's doing is really in the headlines pretty much every day. So a lot of people are curious, wondering what they should be doing. Well, in, in a sick, kind of twisted way, all investors need risk uh, because for most of us, we have financial goals that we're trying to reach and we're saving up to reach those goals for the long term. And it's risk on the upside that helps our dollars appreciate to help us reach those goals. As we build plans for folks, if you've got a goal out there in the future and you're not taking any risk with your investments, likelihood is you can't reach your goal. So in a sick way, we all need risk. It's just, we, we prefer it. We'd rather have risk on the upside than on the downside, but on the downside is when it's real. Uh, oil, the uncertainty with oil and, and gas prices, or really oil prices, and the uncertainty in China, I think is creating this big cloud over markets. And they don't like that uncertainty, and so we've seen a really rough start to the year. So what should you do? Should you panic or just ride through it? What should you do? At at this stage, uh, to the point I just mentioned, that we all need risk, I think the first thing you should do is revisit your risk tolerance. Again, the last few years, as markets have done pretty well, most people want risk. They want more risk because I want to see my investments continue to go up. But right now, as we're seeing what real risk is all about, the you know both sides of that coin. Revisit your risk tolerance and see uh, are you do you have the right investments for your risk. And then second, I this would be a good time to rebalance as well and make sure that your allocation to U.S. investments, international stocks, bonds, real estate, and all that is appropriate and lined up with what your intentions are.
4: Yeah, the only thing I would add to that because I agree with everything you just said, Mike. Um, is that I think it's important for investors, if if you're putting money at risk in the investment world, buying mutual funds or stocks or bonds or anything like that, it's very important that you become a student of history when it comes to the investment world. And to to recognize that that uncertainty, those clouds over the market that you are describing, they're nothing new. I mean, there have always been, um, you, you know, Tumultuous things going on around the world, things that make investors nervous and create this type of roller coaster effect in the investment world, and um, you know, understanding that that's a normal part of of investing, I think it, it helps to quell some of those emotional, um, I guess, roller coasters that we we go through. So, it, it is very common for the stock market to fall twenty percent or more. We would call that a bear market. It happens on average every five to seven years. So, um, you know, who knows if this one's going to turn into a bear market, but it's important to recognize that
3: this isn't anything real huge. So that's that's a good point, but what I'm not hearing, and I want to make sure listeners aren't hearing, Josh is not saying, we're not saying, well, there's nothing to be worried about. Just, just ignore it. No, this is real, and, and right. it's hitting the headlines every day, and it's got a lot of people concerned. That concern is justified, uh, but it's probably it, – a good reminder to say, you know, we go through these periods often. And um, so we're here to help you. If you've got questions, am I in the right investments? Am I taking too much risk? Am I taking the right amount of risk? We want to help you with that. This is the this is a time where a lot of people are seeking clarity and confidence. That's exactly what we provide for folks. So give us a call. We're happy to talk through what's going on in your individual situation and talk through kind of some of the
1: uh, adjustments maybe you sh- you should consider making. Might be wise to turn the TV off, maybe back away from it just a little bit. But tune in to Casey's because, show. Keep, <laughs> keep listening to Casey. <laughs> I've seen people just kind of camp out right in front of the TV, and, they're, and they've got three or four windows on their TV if they've got picture and picture and picture and picture, and they're watching every single financial show talk about how bad it is, and they're sitting there drinking themselves to death. Might be wise, just turn it off. Contact Corehorn Financial Group, corhorn.com, or give them a call. and. Go ahead and get some, uh, some wise investment advice and, and go over everything. Do exactly what the guy suggested, but don't, don't stress yourself out watching this. Just uh, get the professional advice that you need. All right, so let's turn our attention to taxes. Obviously, tax season is coming up. It's right around the corner. People are starting to think about it. They're trying to figure out you know, how much they can get back for their windfall and go buy the new TVs and the new cars and all that <laughs> other stuff. So in your guys' opinion, what are some of the biggest tax breaks that most people get to take advantage of?
2: Yeah, really, there's, there's a ton of them, Casey. There's, uh, some of the biggest biggest ones that a lot of people think of is when they think of those windfalls right off the bat have to do with kids. So there's all kinds of child-related tax breaks. First, you get to deduct them, so that's their, their exemption deduction. Child tax credit, that's a great one for people that have kids that are under age 17. That's literally $1,000 back in your pocket in most cases where uh, that just increases your refund, $1,000 for, for each kid.
4: It costs
1: more to raise a kid than $1,000 a year, by the way. I was going to say, windfall is not exactly the terminology I would use for having children, but that's okay.
3: However, I would say that that is probably the one that people take the most advantage of, is that child tax credit. So $1,000 if your child is under the age of 17 and your income is below a certain threshold. but. Yeah. Yeah. You start getting phased out of that. Is that 105, 105,000?
4: 110. 110? Yep. Mm-hmm. So at 110,000 of income, you start losing some of that child tax credit. So, um, you know, there's, there's whole strategies surrounding what could you do to help squeeze your income back down under 110 so you get some of those credits. For some people, that could be retirement plan contributions or. Uh, health savings accounts. There's a lot of things that you could be doing to make sure you get as much
1: of that credit as possible. Now, Ryan, what about if somebody is pregnant and it goes through the fiscal year? Is is there only a credit when the child is actually here in the world, or does there, is there some kind of a a balance for when it's still in the womb?
2: Yep. No, nothing for while the child's still in the womb. It's once they are here in the world, as uh, long as you you may need to induce the, uh, the labor by, by December 31st to make sure that the child's here uh, December 31st because that counts as the whole year, uh, even if it's only one day or a few hours if you want to cut it close. <laughs> so we're talking about the biggest
3: tax breaks people take advantage of. Uh, child tax credit and some of the credits relating to kids, that's a big one. I also had down itemized deduction, and I think a lot of people are confused about this every year. We're going to touch on that in just a moment. But the itemized deduction is a pretty significant tax break. If you have, if, if you add up your, uh, well, the allowable medical deduction or medical expenses that you have, plus taxes that you pay in, plus mortgage interest and charitable contributions and some miscellaneous things, and that's above the standard deduction, then you get to take that itemized. And I think a lot of people still itemize, still rely on that every single year.
2: For sure. Yeah, there's, there's lots of, uh, good benefits from that. We, we, we tend to do that with every tax return that we do. We'll go through and test them out, see if they're, if, you know, something's changed from last year where they will itemize and get that benefit for deducting an amount that's higher than the standard deduction. And Mike, you hit on the big ones, but mortgage interest, property taxes, state and local income taxes, charitable contributions, all of those are the, the big ones that really get you up over the threshold um, of itemizing. So, yeah, we like to take a look at all of those and see where they, where they shake out.
4: You guys mentioned medical expenses, too, and hmm. that one kind of sparked my, my thinking. Um, it reminded me of the health savings account that is becoming more and more popular. This isn't everybody because you have to be a part of a, a health insurance plan at work that is health savings account eligible. Um, But for those of you who can make a contribution to an HSA, as we often call it, that's a way for you to set aside money and get an upfront tax deduction. So it's a write-off on your tax return, right on the front page. As long as the money is sitting in that account, it's not being taxed. And then when you pull it out and use it for qualified medical expenses, it's tax-free coming out as well. So it's one of the few ways that you can actually pay for medical expenses completely tax-free. Whereas the uh, itemized deduction that you guys were mentioning... Um, you know, you have to have a significant amount of uh, of those medical expenses piling up before even the first dollar becomes deductible. It's gotten harder and harder yeah. for a lot of people to actually take that that deduction. The HSA cuts through all that and makes it unnecessary because you're already using the money tax free.
2: Right. I've had people that ask me, "Well, why do I need to do the HSA contribution if you know I can deduct my medical expenses anyway?" My neighbor told me that. Uh, it's true. Medical <laughs> medical expenses are deductible first if you itemize. Second, for most of us now, you has to be your medical expenses out of pocket have to exceed ten percent of your adjusted gross income, in order for any of the medical expenses to be deducted. So, if, okay, so
4: define adjusted gross income there.
2: Yep. So adjusted gross income that's the the bottom line of your of the front page of your tax return. So that includes all of your sources of income, you know, whether that's from your W two. Uh, or or job includes interest income, dividends, investments, IRA distributions, potentially social security. security, Yep. Uh, And then you get a couple of uh, deductions down in the bottom part of the the 1040. But for the most part, your adjusted gross income is your total income.
4: Right. And you're saying that for a lot of people, you take 10% of that calculated number and it creates a threshold that you have to exceed in medical expenses right. before just the first dollar gets thrown out, right?
2: Right. So if a family has $50,000 of adjusted gross income, they have to spend out-of-pocket on medical stuff over 5000 to deduct anything. So if right. their total expenses added up to $5,500 that they spent on medical expenses, if they itemize, their medical expense deduction is $500, yes. Yeah. which... Sure, it's better than nothing, but it's close to nothing.
1: All right. Yep. I want to remind everybody we're focusing on taxes today here on Wise Money. Of course, we got Ryan Fair, CPA from Quorum Financial Group, joining us. And we're going to, get, we just talked about some of the stuff that people do utilize. We're also going to talk about some of the stuff that people are not utilizing coming up on Wise Money with Quorum Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
1: Good morning. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory, and special guest today, Ryan Fair, CPA from Corhorn Financial Group. And we are talking about taxes. Do you want to remind everybody that if you have any questions, you can call 574-222-2000 and leave a voicemail. Or you can go to wisemoneyradio.com com and submit your question online. We just got done talking about some of the the tax breaks that people use on a regular basis uh, you know the, the the child credit, the itemized deductions and that sort of thing. what are the tax breaks that people generally miss out on or forget about when they do their taxes every year?
3: Well, I already mentioned one of them that itemized deduction thing Ryan Ryan had a big highlight if I were to pat our firm on the back that for every return that comes in the door we're preparing their itemized just to see if they're close. Even if they don't get to take it, we're showing them the math and the calculation that, hey, this is how far off you were, this is how close you were, even if they don't get to take that. So I think a lot of people get a little lazy and say, you know what, I'm not keeping track of all my charitable contributions. Or for taxes that you get to claim, I'm not keeping my vehicle registration that shows my excise tax. I'm not keeping my And they just, they get lazy and they forget a lot of those things. So I think people miss out a lot on that. And at our firm, we try and put that right in front of people's faces to make sure that, hey, okay, are we missing anything? Have you forgotten anything? We want to make sure you get every dollar back that's entitled to you. The other one that I had listed here is a little bit off the wall. I think a lot of people, what they're missing out on their taxes is they might be saving into a pre-tax 401k, when in fact they're not paying any tax at all or not much. And, and I think that's a huge thing that people could be missing out on if they're just kind of going through the motions and saying, oh, employer's matching and I need to get money to my 401k, so I'm just going to do that. Well, if you've got a lot of kids or your income's not that much or you've got a lot of deductions, you might not be paying any tax, but you're avoiding tax. You're creating another tax deduction by doing the, I, the 401k. I think a lot of people could be missing out on that. Right, we are
4: often encouraging people to pay as much tax as possible in the lower two tax brackets, which would be the 10% tax bracket and the 15% tax bracket. And one of the ways that you can do that is by being proactive in shifting money from an IRA to a Roth IRA. I think if we have a show about taxes, if we didn't at least mention this idea of a Roth conversion, um, you know, we'd be asleep at the switch. I think, but. Um, you know, this this idea of paying tax now proactively is completely the opposite of what most Americans are thinking about this time of year. It's all about how do I get the biggest refund possible? How do I you know, make sure I'm not leaving any of those uh, deductions on the table? Uh, it, it's all about what am I going to get back at the end of the day, as opposed to thinking long term and saying, you know what, actually, maybe I should pay a little bit more tax this year pay tax on some of those IRA dollars that I could just keep postponing, but instead I'm going to do it proactively and pay at a time when I know I'm getting a sweet deal from a tax standpoint, and then I avoid it out there in the future in retirement. To move money into a Roth IRA where it can be tax-free forever, that's some of the best tax planning that a lot of our listeners could be doing.
2: And on the the flip side of that, the people that are are generating higher incomes for the year. Some of the tax deals that they're missing out on is the, those work retirement plans. Oh, they, you yeah. know, oftentimes think, ah, oh, maybe if I have some extra money at, at the end of the year, I'll make an IRA contribution. I don't need to, you know, put much into my 401k at work. Great point. And then they get to the end of the year and they've made too much. Their their income is too high to make a deductible IRA contribution. Or, they, or get some of those child tax credits that yeah. we're talking about. Great exactly. point. Yep, so they could be doing that throughout the year and uh, funding those retirement accounts. I think
4: that's important to really emphasize to people that anyone can make a contribution to an IRA. You know, Bill Gates can make a contribution to an IRA, but not everybody gets to write it off on their tax return. You're limited uh, by your income uh, on whether or not you get that write-off. So Ryan's point here that the the retirement plan at work might be the only way for you to save money on a before-tax basis into an account and when you're in those high tax brackets those pre-tax contributions are especially
1: um helpful to you now we all know that congress can mess with tax law quite a bit of course we got omnibus bills health care bills that sort of thing so what are some of the changes and and that are are actually staying the same this year well
3: so so the Yeah, Congress does have a lot of power in tinkering with some of the tax rules. And a lot of times, if you're just doing your return by yourself, you're probably missing a a, a lot of these. But what are, so there are certain things that tend to change every year, but this year they're staying the same. And that's a lot of the 401k and IRA contribution limits. Uh, The HSA contribution limit goes up just $50 or something uh, every year. A lot of those are, I would put in the category of those are staying the same. So the 401k contribution limit, the IRA and Roth Harry contribution limits, those tend to change every so often. They're staying the same this year.
4: Well, and you know some of those, the, well, the big budget deal that was done towards the end of the year there, it also took some things that maybe we had taken for granted and it made them more permanent. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that some of the sweet deals in the tax code, they were scheduled to go away in the next year or two. And uh, some of them have, have uh, like I said, been extended or made made permanent. Maybe one of the most lucrative examples of that would be the American Opportunity Credit. This is probably a term that's familiar to folks who have uh, kids in college right now. It's basically a way that the government gives you money back on your taxes if you are currently paying money out for college expenses, and it's up to $2,500, so it's it's real money coming back on your tax return. That thing was scheduled to go away in a couple years, but now it's... Well, as far as we know, it's here to stay.
2: Yep. And one of the other not so lucrative but still important to a lot of uh, people in the area is the uh, supply, the deduction for teachers. Basically, each, each year the teachers have been able to deduct up to $250 worth of their own out-of-pocket expenses for cr- classroom supplies. That was going to expire, and Congress actually extended or made it permanent now so teachers can keep holding on to those receipts, and it's a small deduction that they can take on their taxes to to help out. Uh, Another one, So those are on the individual side. On the business side, there were a couple of major things that were extended as well, and the biggest one of those is the Section 179 uh, extension. So basically, they enhanced or allowed the businesses to take huge deductions on equipment purchases in the current year when they purchase it as opposed to depreciating it over a a number of years in the future, and so that really creates a big incentive for, for businesses at the end of the year as they're doing their tax planning or even throughout the year to they actually know now what the, what the future deduction possibilities are, where the last number of years Congress extends the, these you know, on a year-by-year basis and, yeah, right at the minute, end of right? December, and literally like December, you know, 20th, 22nd, that time frame for the for the current year. So businesses literally don't know until that point whether they're going to be maxed that max deduction. So, of, that is
3: so dumb. I mean, yeah. the economy could use businesses spending those dollars, and I'm sure there are businesses that have held back throughout the year 2015 thinking, well, I might not be able to deduct this, so you know what, I'm just going to wait on making this purchase. That's so stupid. You're yep.
4: exactly right. I, I've had example after example oh, yeah. all throughout 2015, people saying, you know, I'm thinking about buying this equipment, but I can't take an immediate tax write-off, and I don't know if I want to settle for the slow uh, tax savings over time, which is that depreciation word yep. that Ryan was throwing out there. And so they just held off, and they could have been making big investments in their business to help grow uh, n- not just the economy, but grow the the success of their business. So. It's frustrating. It's good, I guess, that they finally got around to making it permanent instead of having this be
1: a late December action that they uh, they always tackle. And once again, we're talking about taxes today. That's the focus. And to help us out with that, we have Ryan Fair as a CPA with Corner Financial Group, kind of walking us through all of that. And we're you know we just got done talking about some of the things that are going to stay the same. In just a minute, we're going to have the guys go over some of the things that have actually changed. Because again, a lot of the tax law changes November, December, usually December is typically how it it ends up working. So we'll talk about some of the new stuff that you have to look out for as you prepare to do your taxes this year. And again, you're listening to Wise Money with Foreign Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
1: Good morning. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Again, I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, Josh Gregory, and Ryan Fair, CPA with Corhorn Financial Group, is joining us today because we are talking about taxes. Obviously, tax season right around the corner. We just got done talking about some of the things that have remain the same this year, and some of the things that got changed in the omnibus bill that had made some of the tax uh, tax strategies permanent. Now, what about some of the stuff that has changed? Now, we talked a little bit about a couple of those things, but we didn't hear nearly all of them. So, Ryan, what are we looking at that might have changed that people need to be aware of?
2: Yeah, something that changed for a lot of the uh, individuals has to do with the health care reporting for this year. And so it's going to be, the, basically, there's a new form for individuals this year that they're going to keep an eye open in their mailbox uh, at the end of the year here. It's 1095A is for those individuals that bought their health insurance coverage through the marketplace. 1095B and 1095C are two other forms that that are new this year. They're going to be provided by either the insurance company that proves you had health insurance for each month or the employer that shows that you had health insurance coverage for the year. So that's something new that that each employee that had coverage is going to be getting this year.
3: Okay, so I had on my list, things are changing with the Obamacare loss. Yeah. But Ryan got in the details. So listen, you, if, if, you, if you bought health insurance through the marketplace, you cannot do your return by yourself. Come in and see a CPA. <laughs> this, this is ridiculous. To be blunt, right? It's changing every year. It's way too complicated now. We've but, but, got but forms with software. A and B and C.
1: It was discounted fourteen ninety nine. Talk about that it's on Black your show. a Friday sale. No, this is ridiculous.
3: <laughs> it's getting too complicated. So I knew some. I knew some of the details were changing.
1: Go in and see Ryan. And
2: And the penalties are higher this year if you didn't have insurance. A lot of fun.
1: This is the first kind of like big jump year, and we're still not at the final dollar amount of what those penalties are going to be, but this is the first you know year where you're really going to notice it. It's not just a couple of bucks, you know, that sort of thing. So that's something you have to look out for.
2: Yep, and a couple other small things. Actually, one for our our friends over east in the Warsaw area, all the medical device things. Part of the year-end extension was an an additional two-year moratorium on the Affordable Care Act, the medical device tax, doesn't affect any of the individuals that will be listening. But the employers over there and the individuals that work for them, that, that's a big deal that they aren't going to be taxed on that equipment. Uh, yet. Yet, right. Another, They've
1: been doing some lobbying, it sounds like. Huh? It's going to be yeah. ugly when it happens. Yeah. And I think that's why everybody, uh, that was a bipartisan thing that once they realized, because yeah, they had to pass it you know, before they read what was in it. So when they passed it, they all looked at it. <laughs> Republicans and Democrats. Go, whoa! This is gonna be bad. Uh, let's go ahead and you know move this thing down the road a little bit. Oh,
2: man. Okay, wrap up one one final bright bright thing for small businesses. Right. Yeah, hey. let's get excited here. Uh, there's something called the Repair Reg Bill that, that was enacted or changed for this year for businesses. In the past, there was a limit of five hundred dollars where you could. Uh, basically control when you can deduct repairs as, as an expense in the current year versus stretching them out, that depreciation deduction yeah. that we were talking about. Yeah. So this year, they they finally implemented a $2,500 de minimis cap. So any of those repairs that are under $2,500, businesses are allowed to just write them off in the current year as opposed to you know waiting and stretching them out over the next few years. Oh, that's, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, it really is a big deal for small businesses. And um, so, yeah, I think that's that's going to help simplify it for businesses and allow bigger deduction and, you know, help, help small business. Yeah. Yeah,
1: That's great. And again, you're listening to uh, Ryan fair who is joining us. He's CPA corn financial group because we're talking about taxes. So Ryan, a lot of tax scams been floating around Mm -hmm. as of late. Uh, The IRS is calling people and they're, they're actually making threats and that sort of thing or people think it's the IRS. You're getting letters, you're getting emails, that sort of thing. Can you explain to the listeners out there really what's going on, what they need to be aware of?
2: Yeah. For, I've been getting lots of calls from people about this. Uh, the, the scammers have really stepped up their game this past year and really are trying to prey on people and take advantage of them. So, first, for 99.9% of these cases, if the callers are using some sort of strong-arm scare task tactics, it's not really the IRS that's, that's calling. Well, and, I thought it was the opposite.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, thought,
1: I thought the strong arm was the, IRS. the whole. We're going to take your house if you don't pay right. us the fifty nine cents. I thought that was
2: okay. Right, right. So mistake. Yeah. Well, if it's fifty nine cents, it could be the IRS. If it's fifty nine thousand dollars, <laughs> it's probably a scammer. It makes sense. And the other thing is, is if they want to be paid their fifty nine thousand dollars by either wire or prepaid debit cards, that's another sure sign that it's it's a scam. It's not the IRS that's calling and doing those. There's all kinds of. Spam emails that are uh, spoofs that look just like an official IRS uh, uh, email coming to you, and the you know they'll have the logo for the IRS, and the email address may have something about the IRS in their email uh, address. It's not the IRS though. the The IRS, if they are after you, you will receive multiple letters before you start getting phone calls, or you know anything more severe if if you're getting calls threatening uh, a lawsuit that's one that I've heard a lot from people that you get a, a robo call that says this is the IRS we're going to you know threaten a lawsuit if you don't pay off your tax liabilities and call us back at this number immediately you know they threaten deportation <laughs> i've heard oh some goodness. reporting uh, <laughs> we're going to take your license away out, yeah so <laughs>
1: But I am so, going to Ireland in April, so That's right. oh, I, you won't be allowed back. You'll just extradite the trip. That's all <laughs> yeah. it is.
2: So, so yeah, just just be weary of these uh, these yeah. calls or emails that you're getting. If if you have a big tax liability, most people know it. You know it. It's That's not, right. It's not just out of the blue. Whoops! You owe us thousands of dollars. Pay us immediately right now on the phone with credit card or.
1: And when it does come out of the blue, I mean, let's be honest, it's when you go to log in to your bank account and you realize that all of your money is gone. Right. And and then you call the bank and the bank's like, oh, the IRS took everything. So right. they usually, they're not like, oh, we're going to threaten to take your uh-huh. livelihood. No, the IRS
2: just does it. It's mm. just.
1: Yeah. Does the IRS ever call, though? Or is it always
4: sent by mail and, you know, there's a paper trail for everything?
2: First contact is never by by phone. They will never call you to, to start the conversation. There's, there's multiple letters and notices and stuff that go out prior to any phone calls. If, if you do get a phone call from the IRS, it will be very specific where they will give you their employee ID number and all of their credentials, you know, and explain very clearly, you know, who's calling and why and all that stuff. But if there's ever a doubt and you hang up on them, you can always call you know, the real IRS, or even stop by the local South Bend IRS office, you know, go in and visit them. And they'll, they'll be able to tell you for sure if you really owe them anything. Uh, it's And hey, before that, I say go
3: visit your CPA. I, this yeah. is on yeah. the list. This reason is on the list why you should be using a CPA to get your taxes done. Because very, if I ever got a notice like that, I would just go right over to Ryan and say, hey, man, what's going on with this? And he would tell me within 10 seconds, Uh, Yeah, actually, it looks like they found an error on this return way back when, which (laughs) that would never happen, right, Ryan? Of course. Uh, Or, (laughs) hey, no, this is fraudulent. This is a scam. Just trash it.
4: Right. Well, sometimes those notices go out. You know, everyone who's about to file their tax return, a month from now, you could get a notice in the mail from the IRS or from the state saying that we found a discrepancy or we don't agree with your numbers because... You know all the investment companies or your employer—they're all reporting to the IRS, and they kind of do their own little calculation behind the scenes. And if your numbers don't jive with theirs, uh, that it could issue almost an automated letter. That doesn't mean that it's accurate, though, right? right. I mean, in fact, oh, yeah.
2: often they're not. Most, know? yeah, most times they're not. And that is a completely automated process that you're referring to, Josh. We e-file returns all of the W-2s, 1099s. Etc. Go to the IRS as well, and they have a computer database sitting there, matching what's e-filed or filed with what's received from the employers or the banks or whoever. And if we do a return and somebody forgets to give us, you know, whoops, I had you know retirement distribution that you know was three hundred dollars, I forgot about, I didn't give you the form or it didn't come in the mail, whatever. The IRS will will match those it, up right? and yeah. send it out. So there are, I mean, the IRS does send tons of mail. Uh, notices, et cetera. And most of those are legit. But as Josh said, most of them also are right. A lot of them, yeah. Two things
1: before uh, we let Ryan go and thank him for his time. One, if you do visit the IRS in South Bend, take cookies, but realize they will gift tax you. Those cookies. <laughs> uh, and also, hey, look, I mean, you know, I don't know if you guys have have met him yet, but Prince Kalulu in Nigeria, <laughs> it's a really super awesome dude, and he's been trying to give us his money for a long time, right? and he's at the point now, I saw you know, I saw a post from him the other day, he's like, I'm just going to have to burn my money. I, I, there's nothing I can, I can do with it now. I keep trying to give it away for <laughs> charitable stuff, and he just, uh, he can't seem to get anybody to take his money. I don't know why that is, so... Ryan Fair, again, CPA with Corhorn Financial Group, Corhorn.com. That's Corhorn with a K. He does uh, He's one of the people there that does your taxes, which is why we had him in. Ryan, we appreciate your time today, bud. Thanks you a lot. Bet. Thanks, Casey. All right, we got some listener questions coming up. Once again, I want to remind you that you are listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel.
1: Wise Money deserves wise legal counsel. Powered by Leduc, Curran, and Keene. On the web at lck-law.com. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Casey Hendrickson here. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. We got Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Want to thank Ryan Fair, CPA with Corhorn Financial Group, who joined us earlier, talked about taxes. He had to bail out. Go uh, help somebody with their taxes. <laughs> so Kevin, who has been here but has been strangely silent, is now with us. It's and so good. It's just in time for listener questions. Isn't that convenient? I'm going to avoid all the tax talk, and I'm just going to answer uh, questions. So we have Jen from South Bend. Jen's first up. I'm afraid to admit that my husband and I have gotten a late start on our saving for the future. Our oldest goes to college in about five years, and we don't have anything saved yet. Should that be a higher priority than saving for retirement since it is coming up sooner? I love that question because it
4: emphasizes the need to do financial planning, right? When you have two opposing goals that that there's maybe not enough time or enough resources to reach both of them, and and we obviously don't know enough by this question to be able to fully answer it, but I think we could at least address the process that maybe uh, Jen and her husband ought to be going through. To, To me, the very first thing that needs to be done is to calculate what amount of discretionary income is available. You know, you, you got to figure out what amount of your income that's coming in is actually accessible for your goals. What could you, uh, What amount could you point towards those goals? And then I would ask yourself the question, if I could only reach one of these goals, which one would I choose?
3: Oh, my goodness. Both of those comments, you just broke half the listeners right there. I mean, no one wants to sit down and look at their budget and find out how much do I have. They just want to go for it. And then second, I think... Jen, not to speak for you, but I think most people, in, if you're in similar shoes as Jen, you're saying, I can still do both of these. Show me how. But, but maybe you can. Yeah. Right? Okay. But it's important that you first recognize which goal
4: takes precedence. Because if you don't go through this exercise of deciding what the priority is, then what's going to take precedence is just the one that's coming up first, which is going to be college. And college is often going to uh, you know, steal the dollars that are available just because it feels more urgent. But in, in doing so, it's possible that you're actually bankrupting your own retirement. And that would be heartbreaking if retirement was really the more important goal. So t- to me, this is very much a budgeting process. And uh, then actually calculating, well, what would the retirement goal cost you in monthly contributions? if there's still some of that discretionary income left over after you've directed the right dollars to your top goal, then you start putting money towards the second. And if that doesn't cut it, if that doesn't fully fund both of them, then you can have the hard conversation about, uh, you know, whether you adjust the goals, maybe you retire a little bit later, whatever it takes to make it, um, make it achievable.
5: Yeah. And I would say, Jen, there's a reason why you're this close to your oldest going to college. I'm assuming the day that child was born, you said, this child's going to college and we need to prepare for the time that this child is ready to go to college. And here we are five years out and you haven't done anything to prepare. It doesn't, doesn't make you a, a bad person and you don't want to take the energy that that creates and use it in the wrong way. But I would say, Jen, it sounds like you need some some help. You need a coach because it's likely that if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll get the same result that you've been getting. And if you're looking at two goals and you haven't prepared for either of them, there's a reason why there, there, there aren't any results uh, up to this point. And so I would, I would challenge you and say it's time for a drastic change, dramatic change. Find someone who can help you figure out how to do this because up to this point you haven't figured it out and it's quite likely that you won't. That doesn't that makes you just like most almost everyone else. They need help, they need guidance, they need a planner, they need someone to work with. Because it's the the real important thing is as Josh was saying, hey, you know, figure out your budget, figure out your discretionary income. They it's important, especially if you live in Indiana, to decide Where are you even going to be saving those dollars into? So it's not just education planning or retirement planning, but there are tax planning implications here. There are investment planning implications. All different uh, areas of financial planning come into play here. And so you don't want to go find someone that that is one-dimensional. You want to find a planner who can help you in the six areas of financial planning.
3: I, I agree with you. I agree with Josh's process. If I were to answer simply based on just the information Jen gave us, I do not believe planning or saving for college is a higher priority than retirement. Your kid will make the choice what kind of return they get on their investment into college, and they can make that investment by taking loans or whatever else. You cannot take loans to fund your retirement. So I would have retirement be a higher priority than college, just, just simply. We obviously don't have enough information to really dive in, give a thorough answer, but that'd be my short answer. So many
1: variables here.
5: And I would also tell your child, I start having the conversation now, that, Jen, you and your husband haven't prepared, so that child needs to be working in the summer, working on their breaks, and really doing all that they can to prepare preparing themselves to get a good SAT score, ACT score and uh, and get ready for some scholarship action.
1: And, and we're five we're 5 years out. And again, there's a lot of variables that we're talking about here and obviously the guy's advice of getting a professional to help you guide through this I think is obviously the best advice, but we're 5 years out, you know, gr- girl's not even in in high school yet. She want to go to college when she does go to college, if she goes to college, what is she going to study? Is it going to be yeah. something that is going to be very lucrative and where the college degree is beneficial? Is she going to study basket weaving? What's the, <laughs> you know, what's the plan there? Are scholarships a factor? All of these other things, and I just kind of go back to airplanes crashing, right? Mm-hmm. Or you're in the military and there's a chemical attack. You put your mask on first so you can help others. I and I, I know wasn't following ca- you there. I know that's counterintuitive to a parent's line of thinking because they want to save their children. You're better able to help them if you're okay. And that may be a way of looking at this, but I think having that conversation, having a (laughs) professional is the... uh the best way of doing this. Hey, man, you can't help people if you're dead, dude. That's I'm,
0: I'm right. not, just,
3: not saying I'm surprised, Casey, but that was good. That was a good analogy, man. That was, I, I I thought thought that's gonna, how it is. <laughs> you're
0: going to break out in a sweat.
4: Mike thinks every plane he gets on is going down. so I love yeah. traveling with Mike.
1: It is so entertaining. <laughs> uh, lots of volumes, huh? You're welcome. <laughs> All right, I think we got time for one more, guys. Uh, we kind of touched on this at the beginning of this show. We touched on it on some recent shows, too, just with so that everything's happening in the stock market. Jim from Elkhart says, Hey, with the stock market and what it's done recently, I'm thinking about getting out of stocks altogether. Help me understand why I should stay invested uh, when it seems like I keep losing money.
5: Well, Jim, you haven't lost any money until you sell. So as long as you're still invested, your uh, portfolio has a chance of jumping. When you look at the 2008 and 2009, things bottomed out around March 9th of 2009. And within the next two months, the market was up 20-some percent. So if you think that you can get out and figure out when the best time to get back in is, uh, no, no one can do that.
3: Yeah, I'm upset with investments too. People, people myself included, haven't made money in investments in over two years. It's a frustrating time and a scary time. At the same time, though, I know that if I make a choice to get, get out, I've got to find the right time to get back in, which is pretty much impossible. And second, I know my goals need me to take risk so that I can get some upside potential long term.
1: Don't forget about Prince Kalulu, oh. in Nigeria. <laughs> he's got extra money. All
5: right, he's sending those emails. Yeah, just wire him the money to yeah, get the money released. Oh,
1: no,
3: stop. We're
1: joking, Someone's, everyone. Pin... Someone out there is taking seriously. We're joking. Okay, four twenty nine or something like that. Uh, all right, so guys, uh, any final words on this thing? And of course, we're joking about Prince Kalulu. Don't give him any money. Don't give him any money. Or any of his cousins, sisters, whatever. Request a home visit first. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) That's good advice. Uh, Anything we want to leave everybody with uh, coming up
3: on tax season here? Give Ryan a call. Give our office a call. We can help you with your tax prep and your tax
1: planning. Tax
5: planning. Tax planning.
1: Again, corehorn.com. That is corehorn with a K if you need their services. Office number is, again, guys? 574-247-5898. Now, if you are a fan of the show and you have a question for the show go ahead and go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit your question right there. You can also give us a call and leave your question on the voicemail at 574-222-2000. For Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory, I'm Casey Hendrickson. This has been Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's news channel.
0: Securities are offered through Securities America Inc. Member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.